0: Good afternoon, everybody, and a very warm welcome to you for this broadcast in preparation for the full moon of the Buddha, the Wesak festival, the full moon in Taurus. It's good to have you all here. Today is the first day of preparation for the Taurus full moon. Um, the Taurus full moon takes place on Thursday, May the seventh. It'll be at quarter to seven, six forty-five a.m. here in Eastern Time. The Actual Full Moon Day is considered to be a day of safeguarding and of figurative silence. In the esoteric tradition drawing on the Alice Bailey teachings, the Full Moon is observed over five days as a five-day rhythm. There are two days of preparation, a day of safeguarding, and two days of distribution, the radiation of the energies. So today is this first day as we prepare ourselves for the work of alignment with hierarchy and distribution of these energies. And for the broadcast today, Kathy Newburn is going to begin with a short visualization and mantram, which will be followed by a talk drawing on stories from the life of the Buddha. And we'll then see the, uh, Weisak Festival film, and that film will take around 14 minutes. And Michael Galloway will then read a selection from a 1945 message about Weissak by the Tibetan. And after that, we'll work together in meditation using the Letting in the Light meditation outline. So now I'll pass this over to Kathy.
1: Thank you, Steve, and welcome again to everyone. And so we're going to begin, as Steve said, with a brief visualization. So let's just linked together as a group, dedicating ourselves to the service of humanity. Let's visualize the group standing to one side of a vast field of closed lotus buds which rest on their broad green leaves.
2: Above the group is the blue of heaven
1: and stretching out ahead, across the field of buds and leaves, and on the far horizon, is a golden gate with the two halves of its door closed. Now picture the group watching the slow opening of the buds until little by little, the field changes from green to gold and all that can be seen is a mass of golden flowers wide open to the sun. Now imagine the group putting its feet upon the field and finding, instead of the mud and water which had been anticipated, a firm path which appears before us, dividing the field into two halves and leading straight to the golden gates. As we advance along this path, imagine the two halves of the gate slowly opening, allowing the group to go forward in confidence, looking at the gate and not at their feet.
2: O Thou, who
1: givest sustenance to the universe, from whom all things proceed, to whom all things return, unveil to us the face of the true spiritual sun, hidden by a disk of golden light, that we may know the truth, and do our whole duty as we journey to thy sacred feet. Today we prepare for the great Eastern festival of Waisak, which has long been celebrated in the East in commemoration of the Buddha's life and teaching. For he was said to have been born, reached enlightenment and died, all in the sign of Taurus. Compassion was a defining quality in his life. And so I'd like to just highlight a few passages related to this theme as well as its expression in the life of the Buddha. Perhaps my favorite definition of compassion was given by Blavatsky, wherein she said it was a shoreless, universal essence, the light of the everlasting fitness of things, the law of love eternal. In the Yoga Sutras, we read that meditating deeply on compassion will eventually lead to an experience of oneness with others. Compassion is one of the three aspects of what Pantanjali called the three states of feeling, and is particularly related to bringing that expression of oneness right down into the physical plane expression. And it's interesting to note that at the moment of his enlightenment, the Buddha reached out, his hand and touch the earth. As if to say, all of our spiritual life and practices must be dedicated to serving those on our planet Earth. And there are two other stories from the Buddha's life that reflect the importance of this quality of compassion on his path of inner unfoldment. Certainly the story of his life has come down, that's come down to us is largely allegorical because he had transcended most of the challenges outlined in Buddhist scriptures. But the teachings were given to show the way to his followers and to us. He knew he had a message to bring.
2: As a group, therefore, we
1: can learn much from the life and teachings of the Buddha. because he was part of a collective, and we too are part of a collective. Today, we're called the new group of world servers, and we, like the Buddha, are governed by the same energy, the energy of Taurus, the sign of illumination, of striving, and of goal fitness. The Buddha was most of all a practitioner of skillful endeavor for he understood it to be the fastest route to the goal. The Buddha found himself on the path to asceticism, and he had nearly died. He'd starred himself to the brink of death by meditating many long hours without nourishment. And finally, when he was just about dead, he realized this path wasn't working. And that takes some honesty and self-reflection to admit that the path you have been following for many years isn't working. But when he did come to that realization, when he took time for reflection, he remembered a childhood experience. And this has always been the part of his life that I found most interesting. He remembered a time when he was very, very young, and he'd accompanied his father to a day celebration that was made and he was left by his nursemaids under a flowering rose apple tree while the festivities were going on nearby when he was by himself he looked at the fields and the digging up of the soil that was occurring and he saw the death it was causing to the worms and the insects and the plants and flowers in the fields he suddenly felt such a welling up of compassion within himself for this loss of life that he couldn't stand it. He said he felt like his family members were being killed. He felt so much compassion for the insects and plants. And it was this feeling of compassion that led him into a spontaneous, pre-enlightenment type of experience. He instinctively rose into the asana position and felt within himself a great sense of inner peace a joy and liberation. And then at this later turn of the spiral of his life, when he was practically dead from fasting and knew that he had to seek another way, the Buddha recalled that spontaneous enlightenment experience he had achieved effortlessly as a young boy. He wondered what this experience had to tell him about the limitations of the path he was following a joyless path of extremism. He determined then and there to cultivate compassion as a central quality of his path. He realized he had turned too much towards a path of negation of all the joys and beauties of life. And so from that moment on, he cultivated what he called a skillful mindset, a mindset of compassion, kindness, and harmlessness. He placed his focus on that. It wasn't enough to just meditate and deprive himself. He needed to practice this loving kindness and that became the central core of his message. This change in his practice led him to enlightenment, we're told. In the Buddhist teachings, it states that it was a rapid attainment within a matter of days. But again, this is surely because the Buddha had attained a high level of spiritual development in previous lives. This story, however, points to the impetus that the practice of compassion can give. Soon after his enlightenment, the Buddha had another lesson that led to an even fuller outpouring of compassion. After sitting under the Bodhi tree and attaining enlightenment, he thought he could spend the rest of his days in contemplation. That was his wish, at least. For he said the path was too difficult and people were not ready for it. And so he didn't think that there was any need for him to share what he had learned with others. But then they're told, we're told there was a type of intervention by the great Lord Brahma, who came down from heaven to speak with the Buddha. Brahma asked, please teach the Dhamma, teach the truth, the teaching for there are people with only a little desire left within them who are pining for lack of this method. He pleaded, look down at the human race, which is drowning in sorrow, and travel far and wide to save the world. So the Buddha heeded the counsel of the great Lord and went on to spend the next 40 years of his life serving the people to the best of his ability. In the teachings of the Pali Canon, and retold in the Book of Buddha by Karen Armstrong, we're told that a result of the Buddha's teaching, many, many people attained enlightenment. The Tibetan, in fact, speaks of the 900 Arhats who worked with the Buddha to strike a major blow to world glamour all those many years ago in India. Today, it's said, we're passing through a similar time here in the West in which another opportunity to appropriate the importing light of the second ray is with us. Let's use the occasion of this WESAC full moon to stand together under the impress of this sign governing the new group of world servers to do what we can to help to turn the darkness
2: into light. Jenny, would you be able to put on the video now? Thank you.
3: We live in a time when great spiritual forces are powerfully available to us. People of goodwill everywhere are responding, organising and mobilising in groups and movements large and small to improve conditions and build right and just relationships. There is a growing recognition of the web of life that connects all things at the fundamental level of spirit. We are all one and the divisions which previously separated us along the lines of sex, class, religion and culture are breaking down under the impress of the inpouring energies. Humanity is the connecting link, receptive to that which lies above, sometimes known as the Kingdom of God and the distributor of that energy to the lower kingdoms of the animals, plants and mineral worlds. At no other time of the year is humanity's role in this linking, distributing capacity more important than at the full moon of May, known as Wesak. Wesak is an annual day of meditation and prayer, a time for spiritual people of all faiths and traditions to link together in mind and heart, and through the imagination, to participate in an event of supreme spiritual contact. Wesak takes place when the sun is in the sign of Taurus, the sign of illumination and vision, a sign closely connected with the Buddha. Every year, down the ages, Buddhists have celebrated Wesak during the May full moon. They continue to gather in their millions for meditation, ritual and ceremony to honor three of the most significant events in the life of the Buddha, the Lord of Light, the Messenger from the East.
4: Siddhartha Gautama, the future Buddha, was born during the May full moon, over 500 years before the birth of Christ. He also attained enlightenment beneath the Bodhi tree on the May full moon and at the age of 80 he died during the period of the May full moon. It is these events that are honored by the Buddhist community. But Wesak is also increasingly coming to be known as the festival of the living Buddha who returns each year to humanity at great sacrifice bringing a blessing and radiating energies of enlightenment. Joining with the Christ and the saints of all traditions, the Buddha makes a great approach to humanity. Through prayer and meditation, people of goodwill can use the power of the creative imagination to take part in this event and to aid in the distribution of the Buddha's blessing. The Wesak Festival is not an abstract exercise, unconnected with world affairs. In fact, the energies released by the Buddha at Wesak aid the shift in consciousness that is occurring, helping to stabilize us in spiritual being, disrupting old and limiting thought forms, and building in new and expansive ones. The more people who participate in this event with focus and concentration, the greater will be the release of the lighted energies of the Buddha. There is an ancient legend which states that At the time leading up to the Wesak full moon people from surrounding regions make their way to a little valley in Tibet on the further side of the Himalayas. They travel as pilgrims of light. These pilgrims are said to be joined by a group of those great beings who are the custodians on earth of God's plan for our planet and for humanity. The Christ the avatars of all the ages, the saints and rishis, acknowledged by all faiths. These lords of compassion range themselves in the northeastern end of the valley. As the time of the full moon approaches, a stillness settles down upon the crowd. The moments prior to the full moon are pervaded by a great silence brimming with vitality and significance. The expectancy in the crowd becomes great and the tension is real. A potent vibration is felt by the entire body of people. It has the effect of awakening the souls of those present, fusing and blending the group into one united whole and lifting all into a great act of spiritual demand and readiness. The world's aspiration for light is focused in this group of people gathered in the valley in Tibet. The Buddha and the world teacher, the Christ, come together as the closest of brothers to release the blessing into the world. The world teacher turns to face all present as he intones a great invocative mantra used only once a year. This invocation sets up a vibration of such potency, that it reaches up from the group, to God Himself. It marks the supreme moment of spiritual effort throughout the entire year, and the spiritual vitalization of humanity lasts throughout the succeeding months.
3: This provides a vital opportunity for all who seek to be of service at this time. The most important way to make use of this opportunity is to prepare our consciousness. Following whatever practices that are central to our spiritual life, we can make a special effort at this time to be clear in our thinking and sensitive to the higher possibilities for humanity. We should do whatever we can during the period of the full moon to stand as the detached observer. The goal is to hold a focus of sustained inner silence, keeping in mind the needs of our fellow human beings. If possible, meet together for group meditation sometime during the 18 hours preceding the full moon, and if possible, at the exact time of the full moon itself many people use the great invocation on this day this is an ancient prayer of tremendous potency that aids in aligning and focusing human will to illumine consciousness when the great invocation is used it can be followed by the sounding of the sacred word the om during the two days prior to the full moon, on the day of the full moon itself, and on the two succeeding days at sunrise, 12 noon, 5 pm, at sunset, as well as at the exact time of the full moon. When the invocation is used simultaneously by hundreds of thousands of people throughout the world, saying the words aloud when possible, a volume and quality of sound of real potency is created. The opportunity before us now is to channel the powerful forces available at this time in the service of the whole. As we work together with others, we can call forth the response from the Buddha and all the great lives who brood over our planet, releasing a flood of spiritual power that will lead to definite changes in human consciousness and in conditions in our needy world. The Tibetan, whose teachings are available in books by Alice Bailey, has said that no cost is too great to receive the spiritual enlightenment that is possible at the time of Wessec. Through our participation, we can help shift the balance of forces in our planet towards the light. Please join with other like-minded people around the world in this planetary service. The Great Invocation From the point of light within the mind of God Let light stream forth into human minds Let light descend on earth Which the Masters know and serve. From the center, which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on Earth.
5: So we'd like to take um, an opportunity now to read an excerpt from a letter written by the Tibetan master Jual Kul in the year 1945. And this letter was published in a book um, by Alice Bailey called Externalization of the Hierarchy. And the letter highlights the spiritual opportunity that's available to humanity at the time of the Wisak full moon and also the real service that could be rendered by all of those thinking men and women who stand, as, who stand upon the side of the forces of enlightenment and against the forces of selfishness. And though this letter was written in 1945, today um, we stand on the precipice of a new age, but also again in the midst of a planetary upheaval. And so these instructions remain very relevant. These forces of enlightenment are always present on Earth on a small scale, influencing the minds of the new group of world servers, the selfless workers for humanity, and the thinkers in every school of thought, working in every field of human betterment. They work upon and through all who truly love their fellow men. The organizer of these forces at this time is the Buddha, He is the symbol of enlightenment or of illumination. Countless millions down the ages have recognized him as a light bearer from on high. His four noble truths exposed the causes of human trouble and pointed to the cure. His message can be paraphrased in the following words, cease to identify yourselves with material things gain a proper sense of spiritual values, cease regarding possessions and earthly existence as of major importance, and follow the Noble Eightfold Path, which is the path of right relations, right relations to God and to each other, and thus be happy. The steps on this path are right values, right aspiration, right speech right conduct right mode of living right effort right thinking and right rapture
2: or true happiness the buddha
5: whose festival is held ever at the full moon of may acts today as the agent of that great life in whom we live and move and have our being who is himself the true light of the world and the planetary enlightener. I refer to the Ancient of Days, to the God of Love, to Sanat Kumara, the Eternal One, the One who holds all men in life and who is carrying his whole creation along the path of evolution to its consummation a consummation of which we have not as yet the faintest idea. Year after year, ever since the Buddha achieved his goal of illumination, an effort has been made to increase the flow of enlightenment into the world and to throw the light of wisdom, experience, and understanding into the minds of men. At each full moon of May, this has been the effort of the spiritual forces which are working out the will of God. The forces of light upon the physical plane have driven the forces of evil and of darkness backwards and are bringing the war to an end through the defeat of the Axis nations. Remember this is written in 1945. He continues, but another great division of these forces is being mobilized. And can be brought into active service at the full moon of May if the demand is strong enough, is mentally powerful, and adequately focused. These these forces work entirely upon the level of the mind and with the minds of men. It is their task to bring the battle between the forces of light and the forces of darkness to an end, not only physically. But through the inauguration of an era of right thinking. This will end the present cycle of emotional distress, of agony, of glamour and illusion, and of materialistic desires, which today form the pattern of men's lives. This has to be done by means of the spiritual will, working as enlightenment upon the mental plane, and demonstrating as wisdom and a skill in action, motivated by loving understanding. These three aspects of light, that is mental enlightenment, the illumination which wisdom confers, and loving understanding, these three aspects of light all find their perfect expression in the the Lord of the world, that whom the Orthodox call God, and in his reflections, the Buddha and the Christ, the one who brought illumination to the world and the other who demonstrated the actuality of the love of God. These three great expressions of divinity, one so divine that we only know him through his representatives, can be called into a new and most potent activity through right invocation at the time of the full moon of May. Those who can carry out this great act of invocation are the spiritually minded people everywhere, the enlightened statesmen, the religious leaders, and the men and women of goodwill. If they can stand with massed intent, their assistance can also be invoked by the desire, by the dire need of men, women, and children everywhere who can voice no cry for they know not where to turn, but whose appeal is heard and noted. This year, 1945, will mark a climaxing effort in the long relation of the Buddha to humanity. Year by year, since he left the earth, he has come back to humanity, bringing light and blessing. Year by year, he has released this light and has presented opportunity to the forces of enlightenment to strengthen their hold upon the minds of men. The success of their effort has been so great that it has led to the crescendo of knowledge, to the glory of modern science, and to the widespread education which has distinguished the past 500 years. Knowledge is the hallmark of our civilization. It has often been knowledge misapplied and dedicated to the selfishness of men, but it has been an impersonal thing, personally applied, and this must end. Now, another phase of that light can begin to demonstrate as the result of the past, and that is wisdom. Wisdom is the enlightened application of knowledge, through love, to the affairs of all humanity. It is understanding, pouring out everywhere as the result of experience. I call you, therefore, everyone, to a great service of demand and of invocation on behalf of humanity, a demand for the inflow of light upon the decisions of all men. I would ask you to request and expect the needed enlightenment for those who have to make decision on behalf of humanity everywhere your individual enlightenment has nothing to do with this demand it is a selfless motive which is required and which must lie behind your individual and group demand you are demanding enlightenment and illumined perception for those who have to guide the destiny of races, nations, and world groups. On their shoulders lies the responsibility to take wise action based on world understanding in the interests of international cooperation and in the establishment of right human relations. To 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 the support of the forces of enlightenment, I call all today, As individuals, you must work for an open and receptive mind, free from prejudice or national bias. As individuals, you need to think in broader terms and of the one world and the one humanity. The mass of right thinking and convinced demand which you who seek to serve the Christ can throw behind the men and women legislating for the world can bring great results and can release the forces of enlightenment in a new and potent manner. The Tibetan concludes the letter, he says, I ask you to drop your antagonisms and your antipathies, your hatreds and your racial differences and attempt to think in terms of the one family, the one life and the one humanity.
0: Thank you Michael, we're going to work now with that message in mind, in meditation. Working with the idea that there are 240 of us together on this call, but there are also throughout this five day period of the full moon, there are countless numbers of people from all different traditions, working with full-heartedness to call on forces of light to pour into humanity, to touch the heart and the mind of human beings, so that a spirit of skillful use of creative mind Be electrified in the human being and the human community. So let's work together with the visualization, and the um, four moon meditation outline, letting in the light. begin with the stage of group fusion. One mind, one heart, one meditating field of consciousness. And we say it again. I am one with my group brothers and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment. Using the imagination together as a group. We project a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy of the planet. The planetary heart, the great ashram of Sanat Kumara. And we carry that line of light towards the feet of the Christ, who stands at the heart of hierarchy. And passing through the Christ, we extend that line of light toward Shambhala, the centre where the will of God is known. Higher Hold the contemplative mind open to the extraplanetary energies streaming into Shambhala, and radiated through hierarchy, and with the creative imagination. Make an effort to see the three planetary centers, Shambhala, Hierarchy, Humanity. These three great centers in the planet, gradually coming into alignment and interplay. Shambhala, Hierarchy, Humanity, in right relationship. Editation. Reflect on the seed thought for Taurus. I see and when the eye is opened, all is light. I see and when the eye is opened, all is light. Using the creative imagination, visualize energies of light, love and the will to good, pouring throughout the planet, becoming anchored on earth in prepared physical plane centers, through which the plan is manifesting. We're invited to use a six-fold progression of Divine Love, and to visualize the precipitation of energy following this sequence. Shambhala, Hierarchy, the Christ, the new group of world servants, men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world. And a myriad diversity of physical centers of distribution, points of anchorage and radiation. Now, in the lower interlude, together as a group, refocus the consciousness within the periphery of the Great Ashram, within the group of World Service. And together, we say, In the center of all Love, I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the Divine Self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. And imagine this downpouring spiritual inflow released from Shambhala through hierarchy, streaming into humanity through the prepared channel. And consider how these inpouring energies are establishing a pathway of light for the coming world teacher, the Christ. Distribution, as we sound together the great invocation. Visualize the outpouring of light and love and power, from the spiritual hierarchy, through the five planetary inlets. These great spiritual chakras, focal points of radiation of energy, London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo. Irradiating the consciousness of the whole human race. And remember that when we use the word, the Christ, we also have in mind this being referred to in Buddhist scriptures as the Lord Maitreya and the coming one referred to with other names, and other religious traditions. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth, From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men the purpose which the Masters know and serve. From the center, which we call the race of men. Let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. So, thank you friends, thank you for that piece of work. The first day in five days of work we will be doing within this alignment with the WESAC Full Moon. A reminder that the actual moment of the Full Moon is on Thursday at 6.45 AM Eastern Standard Time, Eastern Daylight Time. that tomorrow at 1.30 p.m., we look forward, 1.30 p.m. in Eastern Time, we look forward to as many of you joining us as possible on our shared Lucis Trust broadcast for the Waysack Full Moon meeting that will come from the UK. Um, and you can, there's a link there on the screen. You can also find the link if you go to lucistrust.org broadcast. And then on Friday for Arcane School students, there's a session of the Arcane School Conference. And on Saturday and Sunday, May the 9th and 10th, there's, there are public sessions for the Arcane School Conference in New York, which will all be broadcast as Zoom events. And there's a reference there where you can find details if you want to join those broadcasts. That's Lucis Trust, dot org slash conference. under the I see what's displayed there, misses the dot org, so it should be dub 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 dot slash conference. So friends, thank you very much. Thank you, Daniel, for fixing that. Goodbye.